Hey guys, thanks for coming. Um, welcome to Bethel Radio Hour, where our Bible study meets a radio format, and we talk about today's current events, we talk about uh, transformational living, we just kind of talk about anything that comes up. We do appreciate you texting in topics, comments. Um, we're going to have our final section, I believe, is something I'd love to hear people text in their comments about, so have your phones ready. My number is up there on the board. Um, so, without delaying tonight, our first topic, okay. Mr. Thomas Nays submitted, so forward all hate email to him, <laughs> as it is something I would say a bit controversial. I'm going to admit that I hadn't heard or thought of this comment before or this discussion, but it's certainly out there, and it is according to Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 through 35, is it biblical to pledge allegiance to your nation, any nation, but we live in America. Right. So is it, um, is it biblical to take a pledge to your, for us, the United States? Um, yeah, just diving in, I never thought of this either. And I heard a radio program, a man called in one day and he said that um, his children were going to not participate in the Pledge of Allegiance. And usually when we hear that, it's because they say, because it says one nation under God. And his argument was absolutely the opposite. It's because in his belief that you could not make a pledge to anything other than God. So by making a pledge to the flag via the United States of America was serving two masters. And so I was like, wow, that raised my eyebrows. I wonder what that means. So if you don't mind, can I read the, the verse there? Sure. All right, so Matthew 5, 33, and I would like to say through 37 because it has a couple um, sentences after that. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more that this comes from evil. So that's where it comes from. And I have lots of thoughts on this, but I'm very anxious to hear where you come at this. Okay, so essentially um, I have made the statement that if uh, John MacArthur stops writing books, I'm going to have to get another line of work because I, I lean very heavily on John MacArthur. John, uh, in his commentaries, he pretty much goes word by word, and, and it goes to the original language, and the, it's just really good. So with all that said, uh, that's where I went to in preparation for this, and I, I can tell you that, that it would be good reading for any of you uh, to read the three or four pages on this. Essentially, to give you the cliff notes, um, the, the, the first thing that you've got to understand is, is that the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus correcting 400 years of very bad teaching by the rabbis. Very bad teaching. And the, the tradition was within the Jewish culture that you could. That if you swore by God's name, then that was the highest promise that you could give. And it was accepted. It was the custom. But what happened is, and, and you know, I'm going to tell you guys that, that you know that you're going into carnal living when you start 
picking apart traditions and such and say, well, it would, you know, the joke is among certain people here at Bethel, well, marijuana's not in that covenant. <laughs> oh, I yeah. hadn't heard that one yet. Right, right. That, that's the joke, okay? But it is in there because the covenant is coming from Scripture as a whole. Uh, and, and so if you're not careful, again, looking for uh, anything you can to pick apart something that you don't want to do, before you know it, you're going to get into carnality, very quick, which is just simply fleshly living. So what the rabbis did was is that a lot of them were just liars. They did whatever they could or had to do to help their situation. Most, most of the scribes and Pharisees were also wealthy men. They found themselves in opportunities. You remember the Proverbs that says, Remove not the ancient landmarks? Well, the express purpose for that was that these scribes and Pharisees, many of them businessmen, once a man died, they would go to the widow's property and they would move the markers. They would move them. Well, well that's stealing. I mean, just straight up. They, didn't, they weren't too worried about that. And so, long story longer here, uh, what had happened is the rabbis were basically teaching that uh, if it's going to benefit your situation, but you need to make a promise to convince the person, just pick something else other than God. And so they would swear by the temple or they would swear by the mountain. Or, and, and so the person listening, knowing that telling the truth was always a, a preeminent thing, that, that this was a God thing, thou shalt not lie. And here's a spiritual leader. Here's a, here's a leader of the community. And no, he didn't swear by God's name. And that's, that's normal. But he swore by the temple. And, and so, so what Jesus is doing is Jesus is raising the bar, and he's basically exposing what these guys had fallen into, into the just unbelievable, uh, if you will, dishonesty of the day. And he says, don't swear by anything. Let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. And so in my most humble opinion, to stretch that to the Pledge of Allegiance is, you know, it, it's not there. Okay, um, and just playing advocate. Sure. A pledge um, in the Webster's Dictionary is just a handful of words away from oath, swear, sworn. So to take a pledge is to be also making oath via the Webster's Dictionary. Mm -hmm. So that was my question. Are we picking saying a pledge is an oath? And I, I found in like Numbers 32, if a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to do all that proceeds out of his mouth. So if I pledge to a country that does things that I don't agree with, my, I pledge to a country that believes in abortion. It's the law of the land. So it tells me I better not break my word. So how do we make a pledge to something that we don't agree with? Because if, if God wants to destroy a nation, God's right in all things. I'm going sure. to agree with him. But if my country destroys a nation I don't believe in, how can I make a pledge to them? And that's... I have to be honest, I'm on the fence about it. I see what sure. you say, and, and I have a pile of verses here that God is not a God of confusion, and sure. I have found more in my own studies that I kind of say, well, I kind of see what they were coming at. Sure. Uh, well, you know, for, for, for me, uh, the, again, context is king. You're simply not going to get this passage to say what that fella is saying. 
It's an apple and an orange. And so, but it's still fruit. Yes, yes, <laughs> and, it, and it's fruity. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fruity um, because, you know, nobody in this building agrees with everything that anyone does. Right. I mean, we just don't. But when we come, when I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, I'm not pledging allegiance to a woman's right to abortion. I'm not pledging allegiance uh, to a gay man's right to marriage. I'm not pledging allegiance, uh, you know, fill in the blank. I am pledging allegiance to the Constitution of the United States. I am pledging allegiance uh, to the nation. I'm pledging my valor, my honor. I'm pledging my life, if you will. Uh, And that falls under uh, the scriptural. And this is a a study that is extremely healthy. We don't have time for it today. But nationality is huge in the scripture. You will not find cultural diversity in the scripture. Meaning, you will not find the scripture supporting, let's all just be one world the, the Bible supports nationality. And so the Pledge of Allegiance is, in my humble opinion, just a, a, a pledge that for your loyalty to your nation. I, and, and Tom, I'm not saying that you're not bringing up good points. I'm telling you that Matthew 5, 33 through 37 cannot be used, in my humble opinion, to, to say that we should not pledge allegiance to the the United Nations, United States. Somebody texted in, the Ten Commandments are not confusing. Um, what makes it confusing is lawyers. Right. <laughs> the law of the land. Right, is. yeah, a, a, amen. Well, I was just thinking, um, very early on when we started coming here, I can remember hearing you say, you know, I am a patriot. I am a patriot. And right. if there's, you know, something that defines you, you are a very yeah. patriotic man, and you are. I've noted that to be the case. Um, but you said, but... There are things going on in this country that are deplorable and, you know, just essentially what we were talking about there. Um, So when I think about the Pledge of Allegiance, it's like you said, it almost feels like anti-Christian to not say the pledge because it's one nation under God. And people have quit saying it because of that, quit saying it in schools, quit, um, you know, whatnot, um, and essentially trying to wipe God off of all that is America. And, and when it was originally written in 1892, it did not have under God or Correct. the United States of America. That's been added. That was added later. And, and so, yeah, and I was talking with Tara before this. I said that's one thing about mature, uh, mature Christianity is you can have a healthy conversation. Oh, yeah. You can agree to disagree yeah. agreeably, like yeah. you said sometimes. And, and so, yeah, I, I'm on the fence about it. One, one of the other things. I think was, it's a worthy. You know, oh. I, it's, it's worthy. Well, it in, in Matthew six twenty four, and this is, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one or love the other, or you will be devoted to the one or despise the other. And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And it, it's impossible to be loyal to two kingdoms at once. And that's where I was like, can I be loyal to a kingdom, America? It's a kingdom, just like the Roman Empire and whatnot. And God, at the same time, when I agree 100% with God, and I don't always agree with my nation, what they do. And it was kind of like, I could be an American, but I can't, you know, worship Iran also. You pick or choose one or the other. And I know spiritual and non-spiritual is two totally different things. Um, so, what, what verse was that? Uh, the, 
Can't serve God and mammon. Where's that at? Matthew 6.24. 6.24. So one question on that. What's the context? No one can serve two masters. What, but what's the context? What's the ma- who's the masters? I guess a, a God. No, right? the context is money. Money. The context is money. Uh, so let me, let me get it right here. The, um, and and that, that's what I'm telling you, man. Context is absolute king. Uh, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy by the name? That's verse 22. By the name cast out demons. By the name do many mighty works. And then I will profess to them. I never knew you depart from me. Uh, everyone who worked iniquity. 24. Everyone, therefore, that heareth these words of mine and doeth them shall be likened unto a wise man. Uh, Ope, I see now what I've done. This is my bad. Uh, I went to uh, chapter 7. So chapter 6, verse 24. Apologize, guys. Um, that was still good stuff. It, it yeah. is good stuff. <laughs> uh, but if thine eye be evil, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And most scholars agree that that mammon is a reference to money. Therefore, I say unto you, be not anxious for your life. So what he does is he launches now into an explanation of the worries of life. Be not anxious for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, or nor for what your body, what you shall put on. Those are all things that money provides. Is not the life more than the food and the body than the raiment? Behold the birds of the heaven that they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are not ye of much more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add one cubit unto the measure of his life? And he just goes right down the line of things that you and I struggle with on a daily basis with money. And so uh, in my humble opinion, the serving two masters is not between a nation and God. It is between God and, and finances. Somebody texted in, there's nothing sinful about saying a pledge as long as the pledge does not take away from our commitment to the Lord. Yeah, God's got to be first. And, and, and I, I mean, obviously, Tom absolutely agrees with that. And, and if it ever came down to that, that I've got to serve God or, or United States of America, we're not gonna, to say that it won't come to that, but not not to say that it won't. I guess this brings up something kind of painful just in the sense that and I am sure a lot of people feel this way. I love America. I love America, but I do greatly hate our sin and what we have fallen into, as a lot of people have. We've talked about it here many times. And um, I guess that's a place where that's where revival comes in. That's where prayer comes in. That's where rededicating yourself to reading the Bible comes in because we have gone so far off the path from where we started. Well, And that just reminded me, when we were talking earlier, she said when the Constitution was written, Pledge Allegiance, it was a much different nation than it is today. Absolutely. It was so much closer to Scripture than it right. was. So this discussion. They couldn't have imagined right. abortion, much less the government paying for abortion. Right. And right. the things that we've, not to say we have more problems than abortion, that's always just a hot tip ticket. Well, it, it's at this stage, it's the only subject that is life and death. Right. And, and, and we can argue that on homosexuality and things of that nature because of AIDS. But the point is, is that every time uh, a person chooses abortion, a child loses his or her life. Uh, and and I, for me personally, that's where God draws the line with me uh, when it comes to, you know, my, my saying has always been when we get to heaven, is God going to ask us as American Christians, what was it going to take? Hmm. What was it going to take for you to 
if you will, pledge your life, liberty, and your sacred honor, which is what all of our founding fathers did. If you study our founding fathers, most of them ended in death or poverty for the United States of America. I say most, a lot. I would say, um, perhaps in closing, but yeah. um, is this a battlefield we're going to die on? Oh, It absolutely. is good food for thought. Yeah. And yes. it's interesting. I hadn't heard that said before, and it's very interesting, but in, on a, you know, the... It's spiritual the, growth. Right, really. Very right. much so. Very uh, much a so. Faith that is not, a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Amen. All right. So I'm just saying, oh, this one is so easy for me this week. I'm just saying, Final Four, it is so fun for me to watch my kids now do their Final Four brackets. Like, we're big on the, so the NCAA, for those of you that aren't into sports, I just assume everybody knows what's you going bet. on. Because, it, you know, it, it's big for us. And uh, the, my boys fill out their bracket, and they're all excited, and they've thought long and hard, and they know what team is going to do what. And then all these games are played, and their team loses, and this team flicks off. And, and it was just funny to watch them like, I can't believe that was not supposed to happen. That was not supposed to happen. I can't believe that team did that. And they just are so upset about it, and I can't help but think <laughs> this is my – I'm just saying. It so parallels life. Like, yeah, boys, you can have it all planned out, and you can know just what it's supposed to be and what is exactly <laughs> supposed to happen, <laughs> and life will just go and turn it upside down. Hello. Nothing happens like it's supposed to. <laughs> I love it. Well, so mine will be along those lines, too. Um, I'm just saying being an SEC honk, meaning I'm just all SEC Southeastern Conference. I've picked on, up on that, just you like subtle little, hints that you've left. It's been painful to hear over and over and over from ESPN 101 that the SEC is weak in basketball. You know, everybody, everybody knows that they're a football conference. They, they don't have much <laughs> in the – well, and, and who, who's out almost except one team, the ACC, Dukes of the world, oh. you know, uh, the Virginias of the world, the Marylands of the world. So uh, I'm just saying the SEC is better than everybody thinks. <laughs> oh. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. You got it, I'm just saying? Well, I don't watch sports, but <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, I've been working a lot. I've missed yeah. the last couple weekends, and I get paid to drive go-karts. That's what I did the yeah. other day was drove go-karts at Six Flags. So it's, <laughs> Life it's is the good, greatest huh? job. Amen. <laughs> yeah. That's like I teased Sunday about my first week or so of uh, youth directing. I, I, in one day, I bowled rode horses, and went fishing. And I called my brother. I said, they're paying me to have fun here. <laughs> yeah. Have you put on the Sylvester suit yet? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> do you get to do that? Well, uh, I'm just the reason I teased him about that is because he said, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to get hired on, I'll, I'll wear the Sylvester suit if they'll let me. Do whatever I can. Yeah, I've called Lindsay before. She's like, what are you doing? I said, riding the mine trade. There you <laughs> go. Again? Yep. Uh, could you get my kid's job there? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a great job. All right, so we have um, a second topic. It's coming, um, Easter is on its way, and that's always a big, big um, event. Can I tell a dad joke real Please. quick? Oh, gosh, I wish my dad were here to hear this, but he always said, you know, most people only go to church three times in their life, once to get a little water thrown on them, once to get a little rice thrown on them, and once to get a little dirt thrown on them right. three times. And so then now he says, you know, a lot of people are just CEO Christians, Christmas and Easter only. Right. So Christmas and Easter. So Easter's coming up. It's a big one. It's, it's a big one. And people come to church that usually don't. And, I mean, I think it's safe to say we should be praying that some people that come because it's Easter come the next Sunday and the next Amen. Sunday because I missed it. Yeah. And, and, and here at Bethel, we Wait. try 
This is our church. And there you go. Easter Sunday. I love it. <laughs> church parking lot. I love it. <laughs> we do have an upper lot, folks. We do have an upper lot. Um, as a pastor, I was raised by a pastor. And I've been around pastors all my life. I went to a preacher school. So I'm steeped in preacher-pastor stuff, which is good and bad. Because preachers have a sin nature, too. You can never forget that. And one of the things that I picked up was almost an angst over the people that, quote-unquote, just showed up for Christmas or Easter. Well, about 10 years into pastoring here, I realized that, and this is what you're saying, praise God, they come twice a mm -hmm. year. They come twice a year. And, and we, we just give our best. We, we give our best music. We give our best preaching and, and our best praying. And we just hope and pray that the Holy Spirit and the Word of God impacts them for the glory of God. And we have seen some people come around. Um, I'll give you this story because basically this segment is just to talk about what we're going to do for Easter. But um, years and years ago, they can't come right now because of health situations. But um, and, and boy, the David and Judy Patton. Uh, I'm I'm uh, fighting a migraine a little bit, so pray for me. Judy and David my, uh, migraine uh, Patton. That they came on an Easter Sunday because we sent flyers out years and years and years ago. Probably the second or third Easter that we celebrated together as a church and pastor. And I remember seeing them sitting right over there, and uh, they, they asked to come talk to me. And I said, certainly. So they came, and I'll never forget it. They sat down in my office, and they said, Brother Ben, uh, we haven't been Christians very long. We became Christians through the Internet. And my first thought was, oh, boy. But they talked more. I mean, they, their brother-in-law got them onto a Christian website. And they discovered Christ through the Internet. They both prayed to receive Christ in their home as a result of the Internet tutoring them, if you will. Well, as they started being discipled through the Internet, they realized that they need to tithe. And they looked at me and they said, we're not ready to commit to be a member, but would you let us tithe to the church until we find a church that we should be a home church to? I looked at them and I said, may your tribe increase. <laughs> you bet, you kidding me? You know, you got a checkbook, here's an envelope, you know. Just messing with them more than anything. But, but that, that's just a true story. Looking for, trying to live for the Lord. Well, that turned into a beautiful relationship uh, for years and years. And so Easter is an extremely important time. Uh, you all know that just like Christmas, there is some confusion in our nation, in our world. Uh, the world wants to celebrate those days, but they really don't want, quote, unquote, the religious affiliation. I don't fight that anymore either. It is what it is. But what I have control over, if you will, we're going to make sure. You know, I'm, I'm not against Easter egg hunts. I'm not against it. But when you come here for an Easter service, you're going to know that it's Resurrection Day celebration. Amen. That's what it is. I, uh, I've got a mini testimony on Seriously. that. As a pastor raised by a pastor, I'm a licensed preacher of this church raised by an alcoholic parents, the complete opposite. Amen. And in two years ago, my father came to this church, never thought, I don't know who was more nervous, me or him. I was on him for about a week. You need to come. You need to come. He said, I don't own a tuxedo. 
like dead. We don't wear tuxedos, <laughs> you know. And uh, when we came in, um, I, I didn't wear one either. I wore a t-shirt and blue jeans, you know. And uh, Mike Kenthorn was out out front. And when he saw me, he started to say, "What you don't owe, you don't wear owe a suit?" And, and Lindsay's like, "Shh, it's Dad." Oh, and they're like, "Oh, okay." So Dad came in, <laughs> and for a man that doesn't go to church to come on Easter, yeah, he was convicted. But it's like. It's like you know, Super Bowl Sunday yeah. here. <laughs> and then, so we come in, and what made it worse is you guys probably all planned this. Me and him sat by ourselves in that pew. And I don't know if that was good or bad because he was awkward around people, but then it was just me and him. You know, I ain't hugged this man in 20 years. And so halfway in, he said, uh, I didn't know you guys said karaoke, you know, because it, it was <laughs> up there. Yeah. But the, the message you preached that Easter Sunday was on alcoholism. Mm. And I was like, wow. On Easter. Uh, yeah, it was, and and you could go back and you, but it was, it was. A band. I believe you. Yeah, and I was like, wow, that's an appointment. Appointment, and at the very end, I started cold sweating and getting red because I was like, oh, we hold hands. Yeah, I gotta hold at this guy's end. hand. Well, and I was fine with it, but I switched him seats because I knew he wasn't gonna hold no one else's hand. And I remember Aaron Click was behind me, and and I went to reach for my dad's hand, and he went, and he stood there, and he said, how could you embarrass me like that? And I'm looking, and I'm thinking, you're the only man out of 300 not holding someone's hand, and that embarrasses you. Mm. But, you know, since then he came. Amen. He heard a message. And, you know, and I, when I visit him, he's got a little crucifix on his table. But, hey, that's all. That, that's all all it has to be. That's right. Uh, planting seeds. Planting seeds. God does the watering. Uh, sometimes he does it through us. Uh, and then God does the harvesting. He does that through us, too. Uh, the uh, Betsy Reed said goodbye to her dad today uh, through a funeral there at Central Baptist Church. And Andy Stewart apparently was a soul-winning fool, and I say that with all the highest respect that I can. One particular situation, he woke up to a clamoring in his driveway, and two individuals were trying to steal his battery. He went out, took the battery out, and put it in their car. Uh, that's the and, and he shared the gospel with him. That's the kind of guy Andy Stewart was. He had physically given some of his kids' coats to other kids that needed them. I, I mean, just just gospel soaked and saturated. And so, you know, uh, the bottom line, guys, is is that uh, one life to live, and soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. And. Uh, so Easter this year is going to be three services. We're going to have uh, an 8 o'clock, so that's our first service. Our normal first service is at 8.20, so it's extremely important that you know we're starting 20 minutes earlier. It's not anything unusual for Easter. Uh, two years ago, we did the three-service schedule, and I really liked it. And truth be known, I would have done it last year, just forgot. Seriously, just <laughs> forgot that we should have no done three comment. services. Terrible, yeah. 51 years old. Anyway, so uh, second service will start at 9, Sunday school at 10, third service at 11. Now, uh, Brother Dale and anybody that will help him type thing will be hosting a breakfast at 8.30 to 9.30. And Brother Dale, if, if, if that doesn't sound right, we can adjust it from there. But if my memory serves me, that's what we did two years ago. And so essentially... If you're coming to the second service at 9 and you want some breakfast, come at 8.30, eat breakfast, and then come up to service. If you come to 8 o'clock after service, go down to breakfast and have breakfast. 
if you're going to come to Sunday school and third service, come a little early for breakfast and then go to Sunday school type thing. But uh, this is to accommodate the potential crowds that we're going to have. We're going to send 2,500 postcards to a particular area of Franklin County within five to ten minutes driving range of this church. Uh, and we also have the Easter walk that we're plugging. And, you know, obviously the Easter walk is the weekend before Easter. So we're hoping for a bump there. If my memory serves me, last year we had 413 at Easter. Uh, two years previous, we had 457. That's when we had three services. So um, th those are big numbers for us. It's not normal for us. We, we have 250 to 280. I think we had 276 Sunday type thing. Uh, and th that's pretty normal for us. But the potential is 3, 320 uh, on an average. And, and, th and then we're looking at the need to go into three services. So I see this as practice. You know, I do. So let me share something with you guys. Um, th I, I contemplated buying enough of these books to hand them out. And we still may do that. I bought 10 to hand out as uh, door prizes Sunday. The college-age class took them to do <laughs> They're going to they're gonna make a Bible study out of it, which that's uh -huh. great. So this is, uh, and I love how he puts this. This is Greg Laurie, and we talked about this. Greg Laurie is encouraging Christianity to tell good news, to tell the, the good news. The year news. of the good news. That, the year of the good news. Thank you, Terry. And so uh, he says this on the back of the book. Understand this book is not written to make you feel bad or condemn you if you have not engaged others with the gospel message. This book is written to encourage and inspire you. But he talks about, uh, about uh, Jonah, and th this is really good. He says, are you running if you have a hard time thinking about taking the gospel to someone you dislike, you are not alone. The prophet Jonah had the same issue. God told him to go to the Ninevites and preach to them as soon as he was soon going to judge them. Jonah, being a patriotic Israelite, did not want to go to his enemies with a message of hope and forgiveness from God. Knowing God's nature, he was concerned that God would pardon them if they repented. So he figured if he did not go to them, they could not repent. As far as Jonah was concerned, he would prefer God destroy the people of Nineveh. That would be one less enemy for Israel to be concerned with. So he boarded his ship and went the opposite direction to a place called Tarshish. To sum things up, God said go, Jonah said no, and God said oh. <laughs> know this. Sure that's not Dr. Seuss. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. Know this, the Lord will always have the last word. You probably know the rest of the story. A great storm overcame Jonah's ship, and he was thrown overboard and swallowed by a massive fish, perhaps a whale. The word in Hebrew is actually sea monster. There in the belly of the beast, after three days of stubborn rebellion, Jonah finally came to his senses. He repented of his sin and stubbornness and was recommissioned by God. And that sea creature came to the shore of the place the Lord originally told Jonah to go and vomited him there. True story. There was no getting out of this. As far as the Lord was concerned, it was Nineveh or bust. So this is, I said all that to say this. So Jonah was repentant and regurgitated, believing and barfed, righteous and ralphed, right on the shore of the nation he did not want to go to. He was the right man at the right place at the right time, albeit with a bit of an odor to him. Is there someone that the Lord has been nudging you to engage with the gospel? Are you running from that or are you doing what God is telling you to do? Good stuff. I, I, he, he repented and was regurgitated. Believing and barfed. Something in raft. I, 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 <laughs> 51 years old. 
Um, somebody did text in, David Livingston only converted one. It was the chief uh, of an African tribe, but within two years, the whole tribe became Christian. And David Livingston, oh my goodness. Uh, he had a lot to do with mapping Africa, if my memory serves me. Uh, but what a missionary. Amen. Well, that's all I've got on Easter, other than 8, 9, 10, 11. Remember those times. Other than start inviting now start and start inviting praying for somebody to invite. And friends, neighbors, and relatives. You know, just today, because you just don't, I guess I don't sometimes think about the people every day that I see literally every day, and I just assume that maybe I assume too much. But just today, um, a girl I work with, and she's newer, but I just really enjoy this girl, and um, she doesn't live in our town, but she said, you know, I think we just need to go to church. I wasn't raised in church. My husband was kind of raised in church. And, you know, I told them, I think we just need to go to a church. And I had just assumed they went to church. I never had even asked. And, uh, and to my, I'm ashamed because I just, I kind of thought everybody um, went right. to a church. And she goes, I don't even know, like, what do you do to go to church? Like, what do you, do? I mean, she was really asking, yeah, like, yeah, she was. what about you and your husband? Where did you decide to go to church? And I go, oh, well, <laughs> we visited some churches. Right. Like, we went to one and we're like, this place is dead. Nothing but old people. Moved on to the next one. Went there a couple no, times. No offense to old people. <laughs> <laughs> but there weren't any young people. There was no one our age. There's no Amen. kids. There was right. no youth group. Right. There was no, nothing was thriving. Dog laying on the side it of the was, road. If you see a dog laying on the side of the road it and it hasn't be moved. Dead. Amen. For five years, <laughs> for ten, for maybe twenty. Right. And, uh, you know, exactly. Um, we love old people. That was horrible. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, I, I did that. I am the old people. <laughs> I have realized at work, I am now the old, um, as they remind me often. But I we, meant there's nothing for our family there, our children. We knew what you meant. Yeah, Tara. you I did. Just thought Sorry, my kids love bad. looking at the. Family. I'm sweating a little. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll get you. I'll say something more. Thanks. Yeah, we, we, we went to a church one time. Todd um, would have been here to bail me out. Oh, my, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and my kids love looking at the baptism tub. And this church I was preaching at for that weekend, they ran up there and they looked, and it had plywood over the tub. It was covered in old plastic flowers and dust. Yeah. I was like, wow. Did you do the Ben Kingston test, which is if there's no hot water? They've turned off the hot water. They better. I, I'm telling you that that I, I just thought of that when, when he was, I said, ooh, because I thought of the hot water thing? test again. And and I, I I can't help that when I go into a church and I turn on the hot water and it's cold it makes me mad. It makes me mad. You can't get germs off with cold water. That's been clinically proven. And it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Pay for the cotton picking hot water. I mean, come on. Anyway, yeah. When sorry. you first said that, Todd, like, ooh, that's ooh. deep, and I go, oh, I think it's just shallow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. It but it, but yeah. it is, I don't know. I think personally for me, I'm going to do like a, a little bit of a regroup. Like, who do I know? Who do I know that probably does need a church? Yeah. And it made me think, how many people are out there sitting there thinking, you know, we should go to church. If someone would just invite me, they're Joy waiting Barnard for an did invite. A study on that. Yeah. And it, something like 80% of people would go if their friends would ask them. Yeah. Well, and I'm just thinking, how many people are just waiting to be asked in my circle of influence? Ask yourself that. And it's the easiest of all excuses. You know, it's the Super Bowl of Christianity. Yeah. Right. You know, hey, it's Easter. Come on, you know, and let God do the rest. Hey, and put the blame on me. My pastor has begged me to ask somebody. You know, put the blame on me. I'm, I can right. handle that. The, the, the Easter walk is what brought us back. Yeah. You know, Amen. I was baptized here in 2000 by you, and we 
drifted, went away. We went to another church for a little while, and we came to the Easter walk. You guys have been doing it three or four years. And we didn't just... Your, your daughter's response to the Easter walk. Unbelievable. Asking about the Roman soldiers started a dialogue. But I just saw the love of people, all these people, and how much they put into it. And it drug our sorry butts back in here. So Glad they did. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to break. Um, this is a good time to mention the Easter walk. Um, I'm sure David could still use some help. You bet. Um, if anything else, uh, they need cookies donated, homemade yes. or store-bought. You can sign up for that in the foyer. Um, there's yard signs. There's flyers yes. to hand out. Um, the list of rehearsals, uh, basically the next two Sundays at 530, the work days are posted. There is one. The next, it's Saturday, um, uh, April 1st at 8 a.m. Also, if the next performance or a kind of a dress rehearsal will be May or April, I keep saying May, excuse me, April 5th. Um, so we won't have service that night it, as we normally would. There's no Awana um, in the sense that we want you to come, bring your kids, bring yourselves, and we'll do a dress rehearsal that night. Um, specifically, he, uh, David and the church would ask you to pray for guests. Um, thousand. Invite. They want a thousand people, people that need to be um, just a, a place to belong, just like we talked about. It's such a good opportunity. It, it's very non-threatening. It's, it's a play. I mean, Well, and, yeah. and one of the things that, that I always tell pastors, every pastor knows a church member that has told him, I know that I need to share the gospel with, you know, fill in the blank. Bring them. We will do it for you. We will share the gospel for you. Then on the road home, you turn to them and say, what did you think? What did you think? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and, and uh, you know, it, it, it just simply doesn't have to be hard. No, it, it is hard. I get it. But it doesn't have to be but like that question that my daughter posed. And it shocked me. I think she was four at the time. She said, did the Roman soldiers that crucified Jesus go to heaven mm. from a four year old? And mm. I'm like, she got that out of the play. You know, so it's it was Amen. amazing. I think the one that said, surely this is the son of God probably did. Yeah. And some mm -hmm. of the others probably didn't. It's hard to say. But that is an excellent question. Yeah. yeah. So pray for the weather. Pray for safety. Um, pray for just the preparations and for people that are in it, doing the lines. And I want one 80-degree day just to aggravate Shannon Banning. Oh, boy. <laughs> I got to ask, I Tom, that. are you doing it this year? Oh, absolutely. Are you doing oh, yeah. the part? Yeah. The when, Hebrew part. Oh, my, my gosh. I love oh, it. So it's, it. It was shocking when you did it, and I was just, I got goosebumps, and I thought, Oh, my gosh, that was so good. People are going to just really, that was amazing. So practicing Sunday night, Tom couldn't be here, so uh, Jeremy Boyer did yours. So when he got to that, he went, Hebrew, 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 Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> the, the greatest compliment, uh, the little iPhone, I've got a flip phone, but you could talk it to the iPhone, and I read all my lines, and I said, translate, and it translated into Hebrew. And it took me six months to learn that, and I couldn't do the well, whole thing. Well, you do it flawlessly. We, yeah, we, we it, it's like it. you just know the language. But we it's had great. one Jewish woman come through, and this was two years ago, and she said, who is that boy speaking Hebrew? And I'm like, she understood it. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Because awesome. I, I needed somebody to tell me if it was understandable. <laughs> I didn't offend her, so I yeah. guess it. Amen. Okay. Um, somebody just texted in. This is great. It said, praise for Emma Walters for being brave enough to ask administration to hang an Easter Walk poster in the junior high. I saw that. And somebody Amen. said that they saw students looking at it today. And um, take those and hang them up at, at work. And I, you know, here I am. I hung it up, and I was finally like, guys, 
I'm going to do this this year, and I want you to come. You know, heckle me, yeah, do whatever yeah. you got to do. And I was like, so no you excuses. Be I don't know yet. Hey, no clue. If you want to feel dangerous, leaflet windshields. Yeah, Ooh. I did that in Eureka at that little plaza right there at 109. Yeah, and I was like, I felt like I was committing a crime. I was slipping. And I was just <laughs> waiting. In some ordinances you may be. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'll give that one to God. I was cold sweating. I was like, oh, hey, God. now I do uh, prison visitation. <laughs> you can... gotta hand those out there. Oh, somebody bailed me out. They um, were talking about the, <laughs> the churches. <laughs> <laughs> where the old people are, you know, and anyway, he said, <laughs> we used to go to a different church, but we started taking our granddaughter, um, I guess they were looking for a church right. that had a place for their kids, Amen. and when I brag about this church, I brag about our youth department, Amen. and not, I mean, Brad, oh my goodness, but and not just Brad, there's an army of people army. that, and a literal army that volunteer on Wednesdays, on youth events, at the church camp, Man. I mean, you name it, it's just like, if you have children and you're looking for a place to go with your kids, I cannot believe there's a parallel to us anywhere near. During BBS, the church literally shakes. Yeah. When those it, kids are oh jumping, this goodness. building moves. Yeah. This, and the if first you knew what was underneath here, you <laughs> probably wouldn't. But, but just, just say. We do vacation Bible school. The first one I came to, I was like, that was the most blown out of the water vacation Bible school I've ever seen. So, All right. Um, oh. Do you have a um, would, would you rather? rather? I, I do have one because I did like three or four three weeks ago, and we're only doing one a week, so I've still got one here uh, that, that I had done previous. Would you rather, Tara and Tom, oh boy. listen to two hours of the most boring speaker you have ever heard or eat one spoonful of the worst food that you can imagine and you must swallow? Which would you rather oh do? Oh, my gosh. It could be a piece of fish that has bones in it or something. I just... That would be the worst imaginable thing. So you'd rather listen to two hours of the most oh, yeah. boring speaker? I've right. been to college. I've, I've, I've got that down to a science. Death by PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah. That's what Aaron Rudloff said. I'm just always curious what people have to say, so I think I would listen to the boring. There you go. Yeah, you know? I, can't, you I go. can't risk there being a bone in the food. So okay, so just. I have a stomach of iron. I, I do. It's almost a challenge. You know, I uh, when I was an uh, intern here, Matthew Smith, four-year-old, threw up at the breakfast table. I caught the puke in my hands. I ran it to the bathroom, washed my hands, came back and ate my scrambled eggs. And all the Smiths stood there with their eyes blinking, looking at me like, how <laughs> can you do that? You know, because they're all... Just another day in you know, paradise. That's right. That's right. Uh, not me. I'm not going to let a little puke get between me and my food. And uh, I'm going to spare you a whole lot of nursing stories right now. So just, I'm going to... Well, and, and Keep it back there. I, I, I do struggle, however, with monotone speakers. And so I think <laughs> I would have to do the food. I would have to do the food challenge. And you like that Jay Vernon McGee? You like, you I love Jay Vernon McGee. My friend. My, My friend. friend. <laughs> yep, yep, I do. I guess he's not super monotone, but no. a little bit. Well, he have, did half his ministry on his back. Yeah. So did like, he really? I didn't know yeah. that. Have you ever heard... Uh, the guy that did uh, Experiencing God, Henry Blackaby, it's like watching paint dry. But it, the stuff that he shares is life-changing. God used him to teach me that boring things matter. Seriously. And I use that because I bore people. I know that. I put people to sleep. I know that. I can name him. 
Because uh, <laughs> I see it. You know? That's good. <laughs> it, it, but, but I'm okay with it. Uh, okay with I saw a sign the other day that said, faith makes it possible, doesn't make it easy. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right, so our final topic, um, and this is where if you have a comment, please text it in. Um, we are discussing pictures of our relationship with God, um, just, I guess, uh, comparisons and things just with everyday life. Yeah, and just, you know, really want this to be a discussion more than anything, and, and certainly have you guys uh, text in the parallels that you see. But w- when you think about the, uh, some of them are overt in Scripture, uh, and then some of them are, are not so visible until uh, somebody brings them out. But I, I believe the, the, the picture, if you will, of uh, the parent and the child is a picture of our relationship, you know, God, obviously, the parent, and, and you and I, the, the child. And when you look at what God tells the parents to do towards the children, you know, raise them in, in the nurture and admonition of his word, isn't that what God does for us? God calls us to his word. You know, he, he, he wants to shower us with his word and such of that nature. Uh, I think the parent-child relationship is huge in a picture of our relationship with God. Lindsay said it, I never put two and two together, and I come from one of your sermons um, where she said how our children talk to us. Sometimes we get annoyed, and we're like, why don't you get it? And we just want to smack them. She said, that's how we sound to God. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wow. So a lot of times when I'm angry Amen. at God, right. you know, I'm like, I sound like a child to him. Right. You know? so. Well, and how many times have we been correcting our child about something that, once again, they did and they didn't listen to us, and the Holy Spirit says, hmm, sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. or how unconditional your love is like you don't get it until you have kids how much you can love something so unconditionally love that child and just to know that our God gave his only son how much I couldn't can you imagine giving Mm -hmm. up a child and just that didn't resonate with me until I had a child yeah and now all of a sudden oh Oh, my my goodness goodness. yeah I think I think of Abraham's faith often Holding yeah. my son. You know, and it's like, just, I just lay it down. I'm like, I, I couldn't even go there. So. Yeah, well, and, and man, what a rich study there. You know, Abraham and Isaac. Um, the, the, the New Testament is pretty clear that Abraham had, had the faith that God would raise Isaac from the dead. That's mm-hmm. the only way that he could do it, is because he, he surmised that that the only reason God was asking him to do this was because God had every intention of raising him from the dead. Well, what Abraham didn't know is is that God had no intention of letting him kill his son. He wanted to know, who do you love more? You know, who who do you love more? And, And I said that either Sunday or two Sundays ago, that when I tell my wife, you know, I, I love you second only to Jesus. That is never, ever meant to be a cut down. It is always, I'm putting, you've got the highest rate in my life on this planet. Uh, So that brings us to marriage. Marriage is a picture also of our relationship. The Bible's pretty clear that uh, God is going to marry his son and the church, you know, the bride of Christ. And obviously it doesn't carry with it the, types of uh, physical situations that we have here on earth with marriage, but from the standpoint of that Jesus is going to do the same thing 
for us that he has asked us as husbands to do, you know, to, to die for them. You know, uh, the Bible in Ephesians says that husbands ought to be willing to die for their wives, just and, as Christ died for the church. And to bring it full circle, a marriage is a pledge, a vow, and an oath. Absolutely. If we follow that without Absolutely. worrying about Amen. I was just reading um, in the commentary here just about Ephesians where um, it compares um, how a man should love his wife, and it says uh, he should be willing to sacrifice everything for her, which is what Christ obviously sacrificed. Yeah. Jesus gave his entire life to so talk about sacrifice. He should make her well-being of primary importance, which when you're giving the comparison between our well-being as God's primary importance and a husband's um, wife should be his primary importance. And it gave um, just the third one, he should care for her as he cares for his own body. Right. And, and back to this thought, esteem others higher than yourselves. Husbands, if you want to get on the same page with your wife, the only thing that's keeping you from doing that is yourself. You've got to make the choice to get on the same page with your wife. Uh, and, and that doesn't mean subjecting your dreams, visions to hers. That doesn't mean that. It means, do you know what she's struggling with right now? Do you know where she needs help right now? Do you know what her dreams are and and can you bring those to fruition so on and so forth uh some of the wisest advice i ever got was um, it was from the radio and it said uh, husbands and wives speak your expectations and we've talked about oh, this yeah, before I love that. vacation totally use speak that your expe expectations well so you know we, we, we've got a big 25th coming up so the other day dawn just laid it down <laughs> This is what I want. And I was thrilled because now I know. Now I know. Uh, so the next one I, I got here in my little notes here is uh, garden. Well, I mean, you know, I don't know how well your plants are doing. Lindsay kills everything. Does she really? It doesn't live in our house if it's green. So. <laughs> well, uh, of course, I don't do much stuff indoors. Mine is outdoor gardening. But I used to tease Dawn. You remember Jack Kevorkian, and you'd have to be my age or older perhaps to but Jack Kevorkian was a big... Uh, father of euthanasia. Yes, father of euthanasia. He, he believed in assisted suicide. With that said, uh, my joke with Dawn was is that she is to plants what Jack Kevorkian is to terminally ill patients. She assists them in suicide. Oh, they, they, nothing lives in our house if she's in charge of it. Uh, and she'll tell you that. But um, the, the garden, when, if you plant something, and because I have planted many things... And it takes great care for that to do well. And when you think about what the, the trouble that God goes through to protect us, to, to plant us, if you will, uh, I mean... I, the, and to not give up on us, my gosh. Like, well, give, this one's not going to make it. Oh, well, nope. Just hold keep, the weeds, yeah, right. Yeah, just keep working. Keep, keep working. Amen. Um, I, I, I'm telling you, it's a, it's a spiritual experience for me every time I plant tomatoes. And that sounds silly. It may sound sacrilegious. I don't mean for it to be. But I basically um, visualize how God treats us when he's taking care of us. Because my dad was, was a master tomato planter. And, and that comes over to me. And I've tried to train my kids. And it takes a lot of love and care to take that transplant and put it in rough dirt and to protect that transplant. Uh, now, 
You know, the, fir the first couple of times that I let my kids do it, I just die to the fact that I'm going to lose some tomato plants. And you don't know what that sacrifice <laughs> that is. <laughs> but after they've killed the second or third one, I say, stop, watch me again, you know. And uh, the left hand protects that plant. And the right hand puts the dirt in. And, and I, I'm always going around, and sometimes I'll switch hands. And those, those hands are as dirty as they can be. I got miracle Grow, I got mud, I got water, I got everything on them, but it's all for that plant. God has done the same thing for us. When you look at Psalm 23, uh, it says the, that he leads us beside still waters. Uh, sometimes that happens because of great industry from the shepherd. The shepherd sometimes has to go deep into a cave and dig a hole for there to be water for the sheep. Well, that's what Jesus did. Jesus went deep into the cave of sin. He dug a hole in his own life, and out came the life of everlasting water. Good stuff. We kind of led into the next one, the, the shepherd and the sheep. That's yes. one of my, I love Huge. that. Just the more, um, we did a study, gosh, a long time ago, on the nature of a sheep and the nature of a shepherd. And just how dumb a sheep is literally yeah. so dumb. You are so dumb. We say that to each other you all the time. So you are dumb. so dumb. And that's a sheep. They just are lost, like literally lost and helpless and really uh, at a place where they're, they're just not going to survive. They don't have their shepherd. And just the nature of a shepherd, um, protecting, loving, nurturing, uh, just constantly directing and uh, help me. There's Well, the two mindsets couldn't be further. Mm -hmm. The sheep is all about him or herself. The shepherd is all about the sheep. To, again, to great deprivation to himself, he will sacrifice himself for the sheep because, because the shepherd can't reproduce sheep. Only sheep can reproduce sheep. And, and so that shepherd puts himself out there for the sheep. It, if you're looking for a great study, a shepherd looks at the 23rd Psalm by Philip Keller, I want to say. Uh, I, I, I've toyed with bringing that back. It's been 19 years since I've preached the series. I've toyed to bring it. Maybe when we get done with Acts in 2025. Yep. <laughs> Thanks for laughing. All right, we, we're about done, aren't we? We've got a, a minute. Closing thoughts. Uh, a minute. Clo closing thoughts, Tom. Oh, you got to start with me? <laughs> I gotta let you get going. It's been kind of quiet without Jeff gonna, or I Todd or I was just going to say, I like old people. I would like to close with that final thought. Disclaimer. <laughs> uh, this <laughs> program not endorsed by AARP. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, hey, let's put a fine point on that, okay? Because first of all, uh, those of you in podcast land that have never been to Bethel Baptist Church, you just simply can't know unless we tell you what the dynamic is here at Bethel. Uh, we are a church of a spectrum. I think, uh, I think we do have some 90-year-old folks here, mm -hmm. and we've got some zero-year-old folks, meaning they were born just a couple weeks ago type deal. And, and we literally have a pretty good cross-section mm -hmm. of each age through here. Why is that? It is because, number one, God's blessing. Number two, God has led us as a church to make youth a priority. But also, the reason we have first service is because we care for, as Tara would say, we care for old people too. Well, somebody just texted in. If they're still awake, they would be offended. <laughs> there you go. There you oh. go. 
Amen. Oh, uh, so, th- but the bottom line is, is that every one of you know that if and when you walk into a church and it's quote unquote nothing but elderly people, you know that that church doesn't have very long to live, and they know that too. And what they do with that knowledge is is the greatest thing about them. And this church, 19 years ago, was was facing their funeral. They were. I've had some of them tell me that, and and they trusted. It, probably ill-advised, but they trusted a a young redneck from Arkansas uh, to lead them, and ultimately they trusted the Holy Spirit, and God has blessed uh, as a result. And so uh, even though, but but I'm telling you, I'll fight for any segment, any age segment, we will absolutely fight for. Uh, But I do the same thing, Tara. When I walk into a church and 60-year-old is the median age, I'm concerned for that church. I am. And if I've got kids, I'm probably going to look yeah. elsewhere. I am so thankful for Bethel. I can't say it enough and do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. This is an excellent crowd tonight. Thank you for coming.